Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And today, we're going to talk about Blood Bowl. Yeah. The brutal and hilarious sport where um, you combine American football with rugby with fantasy humor, and you come out with something that is more than the sum of its parts and is hands down the best sports themed war game ever made or if you're me the best war game ever made i can scratch that second best Frostgrave will now and forever be number one so i'm your host troy my pronouns are he him and i am joined by my co-host and fellow sports commentator my name's ed uh my pronouns are they and them, and we're coming to you live from Super Bowl Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yes, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and so we have done the tr- classic nerd tradition of playing tabletop games instead. Uh, no idea who's going to win this game. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Go I birds. believe we are. I believe we are technically obligated to go, say "Go Birds." Yep. As a close friend of ours lives in Philadelphia right now. Yep. And has said that he's been practicing climbing the greased up lampposts. <laughs> uh, for whether they win or lose, as is the Philadelphia way. And I he, I think he also mentioned that he's been stockpiling D batteries to throw at people. Yep. Get your D batteries, uh, hide your children, and go birds. Well, from my understanding, if the birds win... Philadelphia enters into a lawless The Purge style scenario, but everyone's happy about it. So you basically just wander around drinking and throwing stuff. Um, and if they lose, it's the same, except everyone's angry. Sounds about right. That's Philly. But before we really get into Blood Bowl and how its fans are actually more terrifying than Philadelphians in the, playing in the Super Bowl... We have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we've done in the last weekend hobby. I'll go first. My two Eberron games campaigns continue, as always. Uh, in the first one, the players, after a brief discussion with them, I gave them the option of doing Tomb of Horrors. Fun. Because it's a classic adventure, and they had heard of it, but had never like run through it and everyone wants to run through it once and only once and only once yes unless you're the dungeon master in which case it's fun to run repeatedly i guess um we kind of came to the agreement or i when i offered them the choice of doing tomb of horrors i offered to set it in the mornland and to treat it as though the option is that at the end Oh, it was all a dream. It was all a Mornland created, like, weird scenario when you wake up having not actually died in the event of a total party kill or in the event of serious death and dismemberment happening. Um, Which I think is a fair way to do it if you're doing the Tomb of Horrors with long-lasting characters and not as a one-shot. Fair enough. Um... Because it is not a fair dungeon in any way. No, it is not. Um, the, uh, there are plenty of insta-kill effects and a number of things that just um, swap your character's gender or alignment without allowing any form of save. 
I like both of those. That's fine with me. Um, or steal all your equipment again without any form of save. I don't like that. Um, or like that can trap you in a hundreds of feet deep pit with no way to get out unless you have like flying magic. Um, so there are plenty of ways for characters to just get absolutely screwed over with no real recourse. Um, and so giving the players the option of ending this, uh, dungeon by them, my thought is they're going to wake up in a bunch of ruin, in like the ruins of a hedge maze that has a bunch of scars from where they've been blasting it and uh, using weapon attacks and stuff. And, um, if they lost their gear, there's like a pile of it where one of them took it off and is, that person is naked or in their underwear or whatever. Y'all just trip balls really, really hard. Effectively, yes. The Mornland caused them to all just have a, a group hallucination. That's very meta. I feel like... Yeah, I feel like that's a decent way of handling it for this. Um, of course, if they win, then perhaps there was a deeper meaning to it. And that it wasn't just a collective hallucination. It'll Maybe they actually do kill a Demi-Lich. If they win, but, your characters will become heroes among gods and men. I mean, if they win, great. I tie it into the plot. I do some other stuff. If they lose, no foul. We just keep moving forward and we go with the plot that was already kind of going on. Um, which I have ideas for. But I wanted... I, I was having some trouble, like, locking into what exactly they were going to do. So I needed to buy time and suggested this. My other group is heading through the massive, massive dungeon that they are currently in. Uh, they've killed some people. They've ambushed a group of cultists and demons that were working on some equipment. They ran into a room full of ash. They had like two inches of ash on the floor and some weird stuff on the walls. And they walked right in and fell into a pit trap. Oops. Uh, the ash on the floor was hiding a pit trap. So then they, you know, and they had sent in their um, homunculus scout to, like, check out the room and make sure there wasn't anything dangerous or traps there. The homunculus scout flies. Good job, buddy. So, uh, yeah, they did not did not catch the pit traps. Uh, they've also uh, used an informant to get themselves a rough map of the what this place looks like, um, which I just hand-drew a little map and sent it to them. It is obviously not accurate, because it's just what that guy remembered, and he kept saying he wasn't a good artist, so it's missing rooms and missing connections, and everything's kind of out of proportion. Oh yeah, I was totally there. I remember it. So uh, they're they're going to have some fun realizing, oh, we, we're actually not in the right spot. They also popped into the bar in the dungeon that's being run by one of the demons who they fought before. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, they, they tried to sneak in, but only some of them were um, hiding who they were. Hey, and I he was see. like, hey, I know who you guys are. Um, but because he was not... Because he's running an illicit... He's a demon running an illicit bar inside the dungeon. He was pretty chill. He's like, you know, all right, if you guys die, I get to like claim your souls. And they're like, that's fair, because we're going to win. 
And he's like, sure, sure you are. Whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. Yeah. Whatever helps so, you take a long rest. Yeah, whatever helps you when it comes time to take a long rest. So, uh, yeah, they've got a few more things to do. A few uh, shenanigans to take care of. And probably three to four more sessions to properly clear this dungeon. That's a big old dungeon. Um, big old dungeon. Probably at least two more on this level of the dungeon and then one for the final boss fight. Although it could be three on this level of the dungeon and then one for the final boss fight. And then the campaign is pretty much over. Woo! Completed campaign. Because um, this is the final boss fight. Um, and they're right about level 13, 14, which is what I said the campaign would get to when I started it. So yeah, it's been a year. Time to bring it all to a satisfying conclusion. I mean... Made it further than my Frostmaiden campaign did, and it ran more than a year. Yes, but they have also, we've been meeting, this one's been meeting pretty regularly once a week. Ah, that'll do it. Yeah, uh, the Frostgrave camp, Frost, yeah, the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden campaign met once a month at best. So, different, uh, different levels of play going on. Y'all are, y'all are high level players. And that's been my weekend hobby. Ed, how about your weekend hobby? Oh, boy. Uh, my weekend hobby, I was inspired by our discussion a few weeks ago of Warhammer Fantasy, so I started reading the Elric series by Michael Moorcock. It's very Warhammer. Uh, a lot of the influences are pretty obvious, like almost to the point of plagiarization. <laughs> uh, but if you like Warhammer and particularly the lore, um, you should give it a read. The race that Elric comes from, I get a lot of very pre-fall Eldar vibes. Um, yeah, so reject witchcraft and wizardry, embrace sword and sorcery. That's all I have to say about literature. Um, I picked up a paintbrush for the first time since about November. Uh, I'm pretty rusty. Yeah, that tends to happen. So... Started doing some more work on Baron Zemo from Crisis Protocol because he's been sitting here meh, at least half finished for quite a while now. I don't remember when I actually started working on him. Uh, so doing a little bit of work on that. I don't think I'm actually going to be able to paint him while we're talking, though, because it's going to take some more concentration. Uh, I've got a tiny bonsai tree that I'm working on, painting it up in maple fall colors. Uh, this one's actually turning out pretty good. I just need to find and print and or sculpt a little uh, pot for it to go into. So that'll be fun. Uh, currently working on a model of a witch elf lounging in a giant cauldron of blood. And for a long time, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with her. I figured it was just going to be like one of those random pinup models that I have that doesn't really have a purpose, but... Now that I think about it, uh, she's going to be the team owner for my Blood Bowl team once that is finally up and running. Uh, and then we played some Blood Bowl this afternoon, and I got my ass absolutely handed to me by the Chaos Warriors. My team spent more time on the ground than doing literally anything else. 
it was painful. <laughs> it was that's, like that's one of the things that happens when you're playing elves versus chaos. It was like halflings versus orcs. Painful. Yeah, I mean, you you did kind of run straight into my linemen a lot of the time. Yeah, I haven't really I haven't played chaos before, so I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I just kind of tried to do what I do every other time, and it obviously did not work. No, I mean, your elves, you gotta use that passing game and try and... The real elf trick, as far as I'm aware, is that you get a couple of people behind me down the field um, that are, you know, way behind the line of scrimmage, and then you can get the ball and you can just pass to them. Yeah. And at that point, there's nothing that my team can do to catch them. It's kind of hard to do that, though, when you've got that really nasty debuff coming from the... Uh, Nurgle guys. It makes it hard to pick up the ball and even harder to throw. Yes. Yes, it does. Yep. You just have to throw from outside of their debuff zones. Long bomb incoming. Effectively, yeah. Yep. Because um, you you can't do a running game against Chaos. They are not as slow as, say, Dwarves are in that regard. They are not slow. I was very surprised. I assumed. I was like, oh, those, uh, those goat men, they're going to be big and bashy and i can just run away from them but no they equaled or exceeded the, the speed of my elves surprisingly no they were they're basically just linemen um they're they're very much standard linemen uh move six agility three um what that other skill three they also get their horn attacks which is annoying yeah, they're, they're move six, strength six, uh, move six, strength three, agility three, armor value eight, I want to say. Um, and they get an additional strength when they blitz. I will say it still was pretty funny, though, when your your goat guy uh, went tripped to, and killed himself. Yeah, tripped and broke his neck. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was uh, unexpected. But let's get into Blood Bowl. Yay. And talk about why that happened and what the whole idea is behind Blood Bowl. Because the game is wackiness incarnate. It very much is. So, Blood Bowl was originally created by Jervis Johnson for the company Games Workshop. Uh, it is a parody of American football set in the Warhammer Fantasy setting, vaguely? It's like an alternate Warhammer Fantasy setting. Yes, it's essentially an alternate Warhammer fantasy setting that is more sports-focused and less brutally murdering each other outside of the sports world. Yeah, in the in the lore, there's like there's a big battle going on, I think, between dwarves and orcs, and they all get so tired that they all take a break, and then they find the... Somehow they find the ruin, these ruins, which are like the NFL Hall of Fame... And they found they find a rule book for something called American football. And so they take that and they decide that they're going to settle all conflicts through this uh, new game that they found rather than actual warfare. Yes. Uh, and in fact, the deity of Blood Bowl and the rule that, you know, the rules found in the book is known as Nuffle. The best chaos god. Because uh, Nuffle is a like bad pronunciation of nfl so the game came out in 1986 was immediately quite popular and well received 
Um, it uses 28 millimeter miniatures, the same basic the same basic scale and style as Warhammer and the various games. Um, the game is super violent football. Uh, teams take turns smashing into each other and trying to block or blitz other players and uh, get down the field to score. Unlike actual football, you score one point when you reach the end zone and there's no extra points or field goals or any of that nonsense. I do think adding field goals into the game could be fun. I feel like it would be real tough to balance. Probably, but... Um, because you'd have to increase the amount of points the touchdown is worth, and then you run into a lot of issues with what about teams that aren't good at kicking or throwing the ball? Do they suddenly get some something better at that? It, it Like I said, it would really change the nature of the game to do that. I mean, there's probably a very good reason as to why it's not in there, but I still think it'd be weird and fun. Simplicity. Like it's not in there rules. for simplicity. Um, there are a whole variety of different teams, ranging from humans, elves, dwarves, goblins, orcs, to, you know, lizard folk and rat men and uh. various chaos warriors and beast men. And um, teams typically have a lineman unit and then a variety of specialty units. Uh, blockers, blitzers, throwers, catchers, runners... Um, berserkers, witch elves, Woo! Um, pump wagons, which are vehicles, and some things that are called big guys, which are ogres or trolls or tree men or uh, giant lizard reptiles or whatever else that are used as a sort of big set piece guy that typically is quite slow and has some issues following orders. But he hits like um, a truck when you roll right. But hits like a truck, yes. That is 100% correct. The game has gone through a number of different editions. Uh, firstly, first edition in 1986, second edition uh, in 88, which sort of moved it away from the original battlefield mechanics of Games Workshop towards more sports. Um, then uh, they released a sort of different version called Crunch in 1991 uh, that was kind of Warhammer 40k themed. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, it came with... It was a one-off thing with 24 plastic miniatures, uh, including old, yeah, I, actually, I'm not sure if it was 40k theme. It was basically a one-off simplified version. It's considered a collector's item. Interesting. Uh, they did a third edition in 1994 that, uh, is one of the things that, the modern Blood Bowl really draws from 3rd edition in 94 more than it does from the previous ones. Um, including introducing the set number of turns and the turnover rule. Where when your players fail to do something in a spectacular fashion, that ends your turn and it becomes the other player's turn. And that the game has two halves, each of which is eight turns of each player. Um, which is great because that limits any game to about two hours. Yep. It's a, it's a good reasonable time yes. playing game. Um, 
the third edition did sort of move this style of the game more towards the fantasy setup. Uh, the models were less sports-like and more warlike. Um, and then that was sort of a... That part was considered to be a little iffy, although the rules themselves won a bunch of awards. Woo! Um, then there was a fourth edition and uh, that a living rulebook version that was worked out in around 2000, 2001 that adjusted a variety of rules. It wasn't really as much of a... The fourth edition was released in 2002 and was basically identical to the third edition uh, with a with just a updated rulebook. Um, and then the rulebook switched and just, you know, kind of changed and stuff a bit. Um, it was sort of a long, slow period. It didn't have a lot of official support from Games Workshop at this time. Yeah, it went dark uh, for a fairly long period of time. Yes, until 2015, when Games Workshop said that they were going to bring back all the weird specialist games. Yes, yeah, son. And announced Blood Bowl as being among the first of those. Uh, the game was released in 2016, the Blood Bowl 2016 edition, uh, which is not quite what is, which is what the video games are based on. It's not what the current miniatures games is based on. Uh... The current miniatures game is based on Blood Bowl Second Season, which was released in 2000 and 2020, um, and has a few different things. Uh, there's one a real key one, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, and Blood Bowl Second Season has been massively popular. Yep, it's a good one. Um, it's great. The rules are solid. They It had some really good support with releases of... Uh, new teams and new sets of rules and new uh, star players that can be bought to add to your team. Um, they have a magazine, I believe, that comes out a couple times a year. Yep, it's that called introduces, Spike. Yeah, Spike Magazine introduces new content pretty regularly, which helps keep the game fresh and interesting. And so each player in Blood Bowl has a number of different stats that sort of represent what they can do. These are move allowance, or MA, which is how many squares a player can move. Strength, which indicates basically how many dice you get you're going to roll is when you block somebody is determined by comparing your strength stats. Agility is about how good you are at handling the ball and when you have to dodge away from enemy players. Armor value indicates how difficult it is to injure a player. And the last one, which is the big difference between 2016 and second season, passing. The 2016 version does not have passing. Uh, it just uses the agility value for that. Uh, the second season added a passing stat. So your ability to throw the ball is determined by your passing stat. Some players do not possess a passing stat, indicate they cannot, indicating that they cannot throw the ball. You get the ball, you hold on to the ball. Ball is life. I think this is actually a really good move, as it helps to make throwers more important on yep. teams. 
It, it makes somebody who specializes in throwing the ball not just be able to dodge out of everyone else. They actually are good at throwing the ball and maybe not dodging away from people. Um, although usually they have to have pretty good agility so they can pick up the ball in the first place. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, there are also a number of special skills. Um, the basic ones are things like block, which changes how the dice work when you are in a fight, or dodge, which helps you avoid getting tackled, but also changes how the dice work when you're in a fight. And then things like sure hands, which makes picking up the ball easier, pass and catch, which make throwing and catching the ball easier. And then a whole bunch of highly specialized skills. Uh, frenzy, which allows you to follow up and keep hitting people if they dodge away from you. Just keep um, hitting them. That is how frenzy works, yes. Uh, stunty, which is one that the halflings have, which makes it easier to dodge out of other people's squares, but also easier for you to take serious injuries. It's very annoying when you're trying to play against it. Yes. Um, although quite hilarious when you hit them hard enough and they get injured. <laughs> um, there are skills like terrifying presence, which makes it harder for people to hit you. Uh, skills like regeneration, which makes it harder for you to get injured permanently. And a whole bunch of other skills that you know, allow them to make teams play in different manners and have a lot of custom setups. Uh, some skills can only be given to special players. Some skills give you special actions that you can do. Most things, you know, most things work out pretty straightforwardly. Most of the skills are overall fairly simple. Not all. There are a couple of complicated ones. Um, teams each have a number of rerolls. You can only use one per turn. Um, you, they refresh on the half. So if you have four rerolls, you could use four of them in the first half, and then you'd get them back for the second half. Don't be like uh, me and forget to buy rerolls during your team creation, because you're going to have a bad time. Always buy at least one, two if you can get them, uh, more as you go. Uh, having rerolls is very important. Um, and, you know, the variety in teams and the variety of various things. One of the key things that makes it different from other war games is that it is generally focused as being a campaign system. Yeah. The idea is that your teams will play games, and as they do so, players will improve, players will get injured, players might even die because uh, they got hit too hard and had a traumatic brain injury. Um, and so your team will change, and you'll have to buy new players, and you'll upgrade their the cheerleaders on your team, and things can happen to make your team better or make your team worse. <laughs> Um, and as the games go on, you're, you, you tell a story about your team. Uh, the, the focus on a campaign system or a league system makes this really solid. And there are ways that you can, and the game is designed to support playing in a Blood Bowl league with other people. Where you might get together once a week or once a month 
and play a game and you have a tournament set up to determine, you know, at the end of six months, what is the best team in the region that was a member of this league. It's definitely the mo- the more interesting way to play rather than just doing like one-off pickup games where you're just using your regular uh, run-of-the-mill players because then you can get people who've got like weird stats or are really good at one particular thing um, and just gets a lot more interesting than just playing with just standard players. Yes. And speaking of weird teams with one-off players and stats, the 2020 game has rules for the following teams. Amazons. Yeah. Black Orcs. Chaos Chosen. Chaos Renegades. Dark Elves. Dwarves. The Elven Union. Goblins. Halflings. Humans. Imperial Nobility. Corn Berserkers. Lizardmen. Necromantic Horror. Norse. Nurgle. Ogre. Old World Alliance. Orcs. Shambling Undead. Skaven. Snotling. Underworld Denizens. And Wood Elves. And then there are supplemental PDF rules for the Chaos Dwarves, High Elves, Tomb Kings, and Vampires. And uh, miniatures for pretty much all of those as well. Yeah, there's a couple of oddballs, like uh, Chaos Dwarves. uh... Yeah, there may... I don't think you... You'd have to basically paint a dwarf team as being Chaos. Yeah, I think up until recently, Amazons were another one, but they've got uh, an official... uh miniatures line now but there's also a lot of third-party support for extra stuff so even if it's something that g-dubs decided they didn't want to make for whatever reason you can still go find a an interesting looking uh chaos dwarf basically like proxy team yes um don't tell anyone at games workshop you're doing that though or they'll get very upset well if they didn't want to get upset they wouldn't publish rules for a team and then not make a miniature range for it it's their own fault I agree, and I don't care when they get upset, but I'm just saying, don't tell them. <laughs> On this podcast, we do not endorse piracy except of the seafaring kind. We don't ex- We don't endorse piracy except when we do. Yes, except when we do. And um, Games Workshop, sure, why not? Come up, find... the. I have found a Rat Ogre miniature that is 3D printable that I would much prefer to the incredibly expensive and hard-to-find resin Rat Ogre miniatures that are the only options for getting those. Quit holding your minis hostage to Forge World. Yes, please. Um, So, you know, if I do go for a Skaven team and want to buy a Rat Ogre, I will have to find someone with a 3D printer. If only I knew someone with a 3D printer... Hmm, if only. If only. Um, in any case, uh, let's talk a little more in detail about those teams. Uh, human teams. There are a few different varieties. Uh, humans, Imperial Nobility, the Norse, etc. Do Bretonians um, have a team in the current edition? I believe... I they did. I believe you could run them as part of the Old World Alliance. Mm. Um, but there isn't a specific Bretonian team in the 2020 set. Interesting. Um, there might have... I think there was one in the 2016 set, because there is one in the video game. Yeah, I think uh, that's Which we'll talk about I'm the video of. games. But there's not a Bretonian-specific team right now. 
Uh, human teams tend to be well-rounded, good for beginners. They're not particularly fast, they're not particularly strong, but they are balanced. They're, uh, they're very much the Marios of the game. They'll get you into the uh, game and you don't have to worry about a whole lot. Yes, and they're good at adapting to different playstyles. They're generally fairly well-armored, so their players are not likely to instantly die or get seriously injured constantly. Um, they're, they're just kind of well-rounded, mid-middle-of-the-field guys. They're the baseline. Yes, and of course they can get a lot of skills and upgrades that make them more interesting as the game as you progress your team. Elves are all about the speed and agility. Woo! They are they're fast runners and good throwers. Uh so they can move the ball down the field in either a running game or a passing game, although they are some of the best passers in the game just hands down. Assuming you're they not are, taking however, a nap on the dirt. Yeah, they are very fragile. They don't have a lot of armor. They're not super strong. They get punched and they lay down and have to take a nap. Yep. And uh, the key players can be very expensive, so you don't want them taking naps all the time. It it goes poorly. Yeah, it hurts when you lose your witch elf on the very first turn and she doesn't come back for the rest of the game. Yeah, she she decided the kind of diva mode was like, oh, I got hit. I'm going to spend the rest of the game redoing my makeup. That's 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 like star player shenanigans right there. I expect uh, Roxana Darknail to take a hit and not come back for the rest of the game. Not a base player. Yeah. Dwarves are brute force. Yep. They are slow but tough um, and remarkably hard to knock down. They get so a lot hard. of skills like block and some stuff that make them just nearly impossible to knock out solidly. Uh, their throwers and stuff, not, not that great. Um, their primary mode of play is to just get the ball, form a cage around your guy, and then march down the field very slowly over the course of eight turns. And it's surprisingly um, hard to get the ball away from them once they're in that mode. Yes, it is incredibly hard to get the ball away from them because they are so tough to knock out. Um that it it can become a serious pain to slow to get the ball away it's slow not the pain as much train. of a pain the thing is it's fairly easy to reduce their speed to the point that they can't actually make it to the touch to the end zone um you can oftentimes throw enough bodies in their way to prevent them from scoring even if you can't get the ball away from them because they'll run out of time they won't march down the field fast enough Unfortunately, that tactic doesn't work when you're playing Amazons. <laughs> it's harder. It's much harder when you're playing a sort of lightweight team. Uh, the Orcs. The Orcs are similar to the Dwarves, but a little bit faster and not quite as well armored. Um, they're quite strong, so they're good at punching into people, but they're not good at handling the ball most of the time, so they do tend to drop it, and they can't do passing almost at all. That's what you need goblins uh, for. They are often supported by goblins who are much lighter, generally pretty fast, and can handle the ball. Goblins also get killed instantly when people <laughs> smash into them. I mean, that's a little not entirely true. They can survive, but they get knocked down immediately. So your orcs got to protect the goblins. Yep. Skaven, my personal favorite Ooh. Batman, 
are fast, nimble, and tricky. Uh, some of their higher level stuff, they can hire like assassins with poisoned weapons. Although that's a star player kind of thing. They don't do that in their base team. Uh, they're not great at throwing the ball, although they can do it. Their true skill lies in the Gutter Runners, one of their special units, that have some of the fastest base movement in the game and a pretty solid ability to handle the ball. Uh, Skaven are one of the few teams capable of doing a one-turn touchdown with a base team. Um, essentially a scenario where you can score on turn one by using a series of specific moves. Um, they are fast, they are agile, they are real squishy. Um, I have played several games as Skaven where my entire team was basically unconscious for most of it. Uh, that was against dwarves. Yeah, dwarves dwarves will do in Skaven pretty good. Well, the trick, of course, is that if you can outscore them in the first half, you can generally, generally hang on and claim a win. <laughs> but if your entire team gets busted to shit in the first half, you're just screwed. Yeah. So it all comes down to that. Uh, Chaos has a couple of different teams. Uh, there's a general Chaos team that is, you know, just a mixture of warriors and beastmen. That uh, The warriors are strong, the beastmen are fast, they're not great at throwing the ball, they're just, they're kind of decent at running games, and they're pretty good at smashing people. Yep. Uh, the Chaos Warriors also have a shitload of armor, making them very, very tough to injure. Yep. Um, the corn teams are all about those warriors, uh, which means they tend to have less people able to handle the ball and more people who are good at murder. The other team can't win if they're all dead. Yes, that is the corn way. Uh, the Nurgle teams are kind of plague zombies and altered horrifying visage versions. Um, they have debuff abilities. They make it harder for the other team to do stuff, and they tend to be a bit slower. They kind of lumber around. Uh, the lizard men are sort of similar to the orcs and goblins, where there's a couple of different types. You got your Saurus, which are big, tough guys uh, who make great linemen and can smash through enemy teams, but they're real bad at handling the ball. And then you have the Skinks, who are very fast, very agile, and absolutely wrecked when anyone hits them. <laughs> uh, but it's how you use them in conjunction that make them really good. Uh, they also get the Croxagor as their, like, special big guy unit, which is a giant lizard person. Um, sort of, uh, Triceratopsy that can just smash stuff. It's quite good. It has a bunch of cool abilities. Yeah, stay away from the Croxagor uh, if you can, if you can help it. Always, always stay away from a Croxagor. The Dark Elves are like the regular Elves, but uh, a little more stabby. Woo! Um, they still have... They're still quite vulnerable to being crushed and uh, quite quick, but their special players tend to focus more on hurting the enemy team than they do on just scoring touchdowns. Yep. Witch Elf can be the scary if you get her uh, good and leveled up. Yeah, a high-level Witch Elf is a force to be reckoned with, but... Uh, 
you know, they're, they're also pretty low on the armor, so you can injure them out real easily. Yeah, if only she would wear something other than, like, a metal bikini. It, she, she likes the feel of blood on her skin? That actually is very thematic to Witch Elf, so, yeah, we'll let that go. Unfortunately, it keeps being her blood, and that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Uh, the Ogres. Ogres are absolutely massive. I love Ogres. <laughs> They're also really dumb, which means you can have times when most of your team doesn't actually do anything but it just it's so much fun i can't i can't help but love it yeah they're incredibly dangerous in a fight as they can just crush people who offend them but they're not the best in terms of actual scoring uh they tend to be supported by snotlings which are goblins but worse yep um much like the halflings the ogres are a meme team you're there playing them to have fun and be weird rather than actually wanting to win a tournament. Yes, that's very much the case. Um, ogres are... Let's go ahead and say it. The ogres are great fun to play as, though you might not win. They're not that fun to play against. No, they are not. <laughs> it's annoying. It's real annoying. Uh, who else we got? The halflings. Yes. They're small but mighty. The best They're team. They're quick. <laughs> They're nimble. They're busy eating sandwiches on the sidelines. I, I think um, uh, next to Dark Elves, halflings are my favorite team just because they're they're just so bad at everything. And it's always a good time when you play them, even if you're not winning. They are another meme team in that they kind of uh, their players are not great just in general um and they they don't have much armor they don't have much uh, uh, strength so they have a hard time knocking out anybody they have bonus bonuses to slipping away from people but if they get caught they are going down and they are going down hard yep it takes two halflings to just roll one block die against a standard human yeah, they get the shit kicked out of them a lot. I will say there was one game where my Dark Elves were playing against uh, Halflings, and one of my... No, it was Amazons, and one of my Amazons, she tried to do a uh, an end run around the line of scrimmage, got tripped by a Halfling, and died. Probably my yeah. single most embarrassing moment in Blood Bowl. Yes. Uh, and then we have the Undead teams. There are a few different options for that. Uh, but that gets you stuff like werewolves and ghouls and zombies and skeletons, uh, which have a variety of different abilities. Um, the big thing about undead teams is that they can sometimes bring back an enemy player who is who dies on the pitch as a zombie. I've had that happen. It's fun. Which is hilarious and a great way to keep padding out your team. Yep. Uh while most of their players are kind of weak, uh, the skeletons and zombies are just bad compared to linemen from other teams. They, you know, don't die because they're already dead. They just keep coming back. Which means it's really hard to fully knock out a necromancy team. Yep. Um, and they're reasonably strong. And, you know, the werewolves and ghouls are often 
fairly quick and able to score. And the things like whites and mummies are pretty heavy hitters. The Amazons. Woo! Uh, Ed, you tell me about the Amazons. I don't think I've really played them. Oh, Amazons, they're kind of like Dark Elves, but slightly worse. Um, their whole deal is based on running uh, and with a little bit of passing. I don't know if this is true in the 2020 edition, uh, but I do know that it was true in uh, six, the six, 2016 edition. Uh, all the Amazons start with dodge by default, which for a beginning player is really, really nice. Uh, it helps get you out of some some tricky situations pretty easily. Um, yeah, they don't really have anybody that's like super specialized. They're kind of, they're just kind of like a standard human team. Uh, they get your blitzers, your linemen. Uh, I mean, they're just a more dodgy human team. Yeah, they're a dodgy human team. They don't really get any special type shenanigans. So uh, for beginner players, Amazons is usually one of the ones that gets recommended. Yes, and then of course there's also the one of the other human teams, the uh, Norsica, are the the Norse, which are you know Vikings. Um, they're tough. They've got Valkyries who are fast, um, and then they've got Berserkers, uh, who I believe their love is like a truck. Probably. Berserker. Um, that's a song. Got it. Um, surprised you didn't know that one. Uh, they also have beer boars what? in the 2020 <laughs> edition, which are exactly what they sound like. Um, I'm not sure what their ability is, but I find them hilarious to look at. I like the name. I will. Yes. I would have also said Screaming Goats uh, would have been another good addition for the Norse team. You could probably model a beer boar as a Screaming Goat if you really felt like it. Um their berserkers are kind of one of the more interesting options as they, I think, get frenzy pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, they just provide a slightly more combat-focused human team. Uh, if the Amazons are the dodgy human team. Yeah. Um, and then there's the various uh, union teams. That's things like the Old World Alliance, the Underworld Denizens, the... Um, I think Chaos Renegades and Chaos Chosen and a few of the other ones. Elven Union. Yeah, the Elven Union, which allow you to take units from several different lists. Um, for example, the Underworld Alliance lets you bring Skaven and Goblins and Orcs and I think some Undead. Probably. Uh, the upside is you get to choose from a whole bunch more cool units. The downside is they don't always work well together. Yeah, I haven't uh, there's a penalty with any of those teams yet. Generally speaking, they have a penalty to passing between different factions. Interesting. Um, your Skaven don't like to pass to your goblins, effectively. Don't send the ball to the man-things. Yeah, they don't like to share the ball. Uh, other, than, That's the only big penalty. Um, I think there might be some cost adjustments for stuff as well, just so that you can't go all in on things. But those teams form a nice way to, like, spread out and build more teams without having to buy a whole bunch new of new models. True. Um, if you have two or three teams already, you can essentially make a fourth one by picking a uh, mixed team. Wasn't the team uh, that they you used this morning a Chaos Union? 
yes, technically, it was the uh, like Chaos United uh, team that I was playing this morning because I wanted to have normal Chaos Warriors and the Nurgle Chaos Warriors together. And that was pretty solid. Uh, mixed teams can are kind of a wild card because their strengths and weaknesses don't always cancel out. Um, and there are some limits as to which groups you can team up together. For example, I don't think there's any way to team Skaven and Dwarves. Just doesn't work. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Dark Elves join the Elven Union. I think that's just High Elves and Wood Elves. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. But there's a whole bunch of different options that you can pick, and I think that we can safely recommend Blood Bowl. Yep. Oh, uh, but before we do that, we have to talk about the video games. Uh, there have been a number of attempts to make Blood Bowl video games. Uh, initially, starting in 1990, when the games when Games Workshop hired the company Tynesoft to create some video games, including Blood Bowl, the company went bankrupt before the game was released. Oops, that's a uh, later in the 90s. There was an MDOS version created, uh, and then in 2004. Cyanide Studio developed a game called Chaos League. Chaos League was uh, legally distinct from Blood Bowl. <laughs> we resemble this was not legally enough. distinct from, <laughs> from Blood Bowl. It was legally distinct from Blood Bowl. Games Workshop was not convinced and sued. Uh, they settled out of court and Cyanide Studios was given the license to create Blood Bowl games. And we lived happily ever after. Effectively, yes, because in 2009, they released a Blood Bowl game. Uh, and then have since released a Blood Bowl 2 in 2015, which is the version we currently play. Yep. Uh, it's a solid choice. It offers a whole bunch of teams. It offers a campaign that is a good way to learn the basics of Blood Bowl. Um, it offers solo play. It offers teams that can be built and, you know, changed and adjusted in different ways. Uh, and it offers online multiplayer for free. Yep. Uh, if you can find the game on a Steam sale, yeah. I highly recommend it. I think I picked it up for like five bucks. Yeah, it's always super cheap when it goes on sale. Yeah, normally it's only like 20 25 It can go on sale for less than $10. And if you see it for less than $10 and can get the like full edition that includes all the dlc do so it's well worth it and a very solid game they are currently working on blood bowl 3 uh it's release has been pushed back a few times uh presumably probably pandemic related i would have to guess probably uh current release date is 2023 so this year theoretically um and the new one is based on the newest set of rules, the Blood Bowl 2020 or Blood Bowl second season rules. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, adjust what I have that passes for a playstyle. I mean, mostly that just adds passing and tweaks how some of the skills work. It's not as big of a change as you might think. 
Um, so I think it's a pretty solid way to switch up. Um, in any case, I think we can recommend both the physical game if you wanted to play a physical game and the computer game if you want to play the computer game for Blood Bowl. Yep. The computer game, I think it, it has moments where it can be a little bit janky, but I mean, Blood Bowl itself is kind of janky and just adding that extra swinginess or like weird computer things that happen because it is a it's a cyanide and a home focus home game their stuff their stuff is janky but is always very interesting whenever they work on a game so you might have to put up with a little extra shenanigans but blood bowl is shenanigans incarnate so you, you get what you and, be- for. and because the base game is based is played on a grid and uses a dice mechanic they just replicate the grid and the dice mechanic for the game yep there's a little bar at the bottom of the game where you can hover over and see what the dice rolls were for everything that happens. Yeah, I think the first game they had a they had another one called Blitz Mode where they tried to make like a real time football version. Yeah, that was part it of the Chaos one. Yeah, Chaos Bowl or Chaos Ball or whatever it was that they got sued over was initially real time, um, and then. Uh, yeah, Chaos League was real-time, and I think in the first version that they did where it was called Blood Bowl, they had the real-time and the um, turn-based, and everyone's like, no, turn-based is better. Just make it more like the physical game. Yep. And the studio has listened to that. Did we so, want to... good for them. Did we want to talk about Dungeon Bowl at all? We could talk a little about Dungeon Bowl. Uh, there have been a couple of spin-offs of Blood Bowl. Uh, the two current ones that are worth talking about are Dungeon Bowl, which is similar to it, except instead of being played on an open field, you play it in a dungeon, and your players are teleported into random locations, and you have to like run around and try and find the ball from a number of chests, and then get it to the enemy touch, uh, to the enemy end zone. Um, I I've looked at it; it doesn't. It doesn't scratch the same itch for me. It feels like one of those things where it's like, hey, we've been playing Blood Bowl for a while. You want to switch it up and play a game of Dungeon Bowl. It's not going to replace the actual game, but it's just kind of like, do you want to try a different set of rules for a change? Yes, and it also seems much more wacky. Yeah. and Which is a lot coming from uh, Blood Bowl. <laughs> where fans storming the field is one of the events that can happen on a kickoff. I will say the game being just kind of in general wacky is one of my favorite things about Blood Bowl. Um, yes. As somebody who can struggle with anger issues when it comes to playing other games, for whatever reason, I can be really chill about Blood Bowl, usually because half the time, whatever has happened that's annoying is also hilarious. Um, yes. And it, it has that factor of like screaming at the TV while watching football. And you know that no matter what you say, nothing is going to make a difference, but it still kind of has that effect. So I can play Blood Bowl and do absolutely terrible, but still be good natured about it, which I can struggle with in some other games. Yeah, Blood Bowl, the fact that it's sports, the fact that it's it's very hilarious, even when your person is instantly killed due to tripping and falling. Yeah. Blood Bowl is good for that. The other spin-off mode is Blood Bowl 8s. 
This is post-production Troy. I meant Blood Bowl 7s. I didn't have the right notes up. Blood Bowl 7s. Oh, I haven't heard of this Which one. is sort of, it's a stripped down version. Uh, it's only eight players per side. Hmm. Um, it, it's And it's played on a slightly smaller field. Uh, and I think the t- rounds are maybe six turns instead of eight. Interesting. Um, it's basically a, and it's also designed as sort of a, like, amateur Blood Bowl leagues instead of pro teams. Pee-wee Blood Bowl. Well, more like this is a local team rather than the big city ah, sponsor thing. I like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a nice touch. It's faster to play. It's a little less, like, smashy. Um because it's shorter, so you can't, like, stall out rounds as well. Mm. Um, you have to actually keep moving, and the board is... The pitch itself is smaller. Keep the game so it moving. Provides, it provides a different variety for playing the game. And you can use models from existing teams. You just have uh, different team-building rules. Um, so, yeah. Blood Bowl. Play it. Play it now. Yeah, Blood Bowl. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say go out and buy a Blood Bowl set because it can be expensive yeah. and Games Workshop really doesn't need your money. But if you think it's interesting, find your friendly local gaming store, find out when they have a Blood Bowl night, and go there and like talk to some people about it. Yeah, because that's how you're going to find out about Blood Bowl. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the Blood Bowl Blood Bowl people that I've met are generally pretty friendly and good natured. So. Yeah, your league will will probably probably let you join. Your league may vary. This is also true. Um, but talk to some, find out if you have a local Blood Bowl team, and if you do, uh, that's going to be the people you want to talk to because, you know, if you're going to play the miniatures game, make sure that you have a group of people who are also going to play it. Yep. Or play it online, like we do. Online is a really good way to get into it because then you'll know is this something that you want to invest in. Or is it something that, you know, eh, it's maybe good for once in a while, but I don't want to stick around with it. That's kind of how I uh, got into it. I started playing the online game first and it was like, I really dig this. But at the time, I also didn't really have a group to play the physical game with. So that's how I got started. I had some friends that were playing the 2015 game and I played a few games with them using their miniatures. And then, uh, yeah, started playing the online version and got involved with a league with some friends. Uh, came in third in their, like, eight-person league, nine-person league, the first round. Um, and, you know, get some games going. My sca- I also have an amazing Skaven team that, sadly, is not in that league. So, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see if the Garage League can get started up this summer. Yeah, um, I might have at least one other person who would be interested in that nice um or two actually because a couple of the people in the online league i'm playing in are portland based so nice i think i may also have other people who could be interested in joining so it could be an actual thing let's do that but we have a segment on this podcast called board game corner ed you have a splendorific game to talk about today Woo! uh are you like me and enjoy fancy jewelry do you enjoy the early modern economic system known as mercantilism? Uh, if you do, and even if you don't, 
you should probably check out a game called Splendor. Uh, I believe Splendor was published by Z-Man Games, if I remember correctly. But the idea is that you are a, a jeweler and you are trying to source gems and precious metals and make fancy jewelry for uh, lords and ladies of, I think, Venice is where it's supposed to be. Um, I think it is Renaissance Italy. I'm not sure if it specifies what city. Yeah, it, the art looks vaguely Renaissance Italian. Um, it's a pretty fast and simple game. The idea is that you are picking up uh, tokens that represent various gems of various colors and you can use those to buy mines. You can use them to buy uh, transportation modes. And you're essentially building an engine that will let you build uh, jewelry pieces of various quantities. And then once you have enough gems and or jewelry to purchase a noble, you can buy that noble off the, uh, the face of the table because there's a certain number of nobles that are flipped up at the beginning of the game. And they have different point values depending on like how complicated a piece of jewelry that they want and you can get their favor. And that's basically your points. And you just keep going until all the nobles are gone. And whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, I like playing it on my phone. It's a good, uh, good format for phone gaming and it goes pretty fast, maybe 20 to 30 minutes per game. Um, did see some interesting discourse about the fact that uh, none of the actual labor and or uh, bad working conditions involved with that kind of Renaissance era gem mining and metal mining is depicted when you get a picture of a mine. It's just an open mine. You don't see any workers or anything like that. So that was an interesting thing to think about uh, labor wise, but other than that, I can recommend Splendor. Uh, there's a, at least one. No, there's, I think, two different versions. Uh, there's also one where you're trying to build the Infinity Gauntlet from the Marvel Universe. Uh, there's another one, I believe, where you're trying to build crowns. And I think there's a stripped down one that runs even faster uh, than the base game. I haven't tried any of those, but the base game itself is is pretty good. So I can recommend it. Yeah, so uh, Splendor. I have played it. It is fun. And that's our podcast. As always, uh, go birds. Um, you can follow us online. You can like, subscribe, rate, do things, tell people about this podcast, uh, riot in the streets until they let you play Blood Bowl. Um you can support your local game store, especially if it's a friendly game store, and especially if they have the games you like. You can join a union of any type, um, although I can't recommend joining a union of Soviet Socialist Republics. That has not worked out well for countries in the past. That's the bad union. Yeah, that's not a union you want to join because there's no way to leave that union nope. until the whole thing falls apart, um, which can take more time than you might want. Uh, do the things Ed's about to tell you to do. Oh, uh, you can follow me at Animadness on Instagram. Uh, I've gotten back to posting some stuff there, and you'll probably see more as I'm easing my way uh, back from insanity and into painting. Um, ACAB now, ACAB forever. Uh, 
like Troy said, join a union, uh, unless it's a police union, and go birds. Go birds! Go birds! Go gnolls. And go gnolls.